today in the Dope City on the Sideline Dad podcast, I want to start off with um, I want to start off with a quote: "The best day of your life is the one in which you decide your life is your own. No apologies, no excuses, no one to lean on, rely on, or blame. The gift is yours. It's an amazing journey, and you're alone responsible for the quality of it. This is the day your life really begins." Bob Moad. This is a quote from the book that I think kind of um, sums up or what we're talking about today with my guest, John Allen Powell, next on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast. Welcome to another episode of No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast. Episode six. Hey, I'm Joe Foley, and I'm a dad and a parent, and I want to say thank you for being here. I know as a dad and a parent, our time is limited, so I choose to spend time listening to me. It means a lot. Thank you. And if you're new, welcome. This podcast is about having a conversation with being a dad in the issues topic related to being a dad and a parent. Dad seems always to be the sidekick sometimes, and so let's get involved and no more sitting on the sideline. This will be a weekly podcast dedicated to some sense of community by interviews, topics, about being a dad and a parent. We're all going through the same issues. I love being a dad and a parent, and I know the dad stuff. Parents not easy. I'm not an expert, just a dad on a journey trying to take one day at a time in this crazy world. On today's podcast, I have John Allen Powell, international author, life coach, and all-around nice guy. He's author of his new book, My Journey, My Truth, The Story of Hope and Courage. A lot of content to cover, so let's get right into the, right into the interview. Today's guest on the podcast, I have John Allen Powell, international author, life coach, and consultant speaker. Thanks, John, for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. Um, I noted you also, I meant for to mention your book. It's um, the um, title is My Journey, My Truth, and Story of Hoping, Courage, and Transformation. It, it's definitely yeah. a great story. I mean, great um, a book, actually. And, uh, well, you, you know, and I, I, I kind of hoped and aimed for that. Um, to me, it's a little bit more than just a book. Um, I mean, obviously, if somebody puts a book out, it's kind of uh, they they're they're kind of putting themselves out there like a little vulnerability. But it's a little bit more than that because the book basically talks about the greatest hardships that I've ever had in my life, too. You know. Yeah, it seemed like um, everybody goes. It seems like everybody has a, some kind of hardships, kind of journey through their lives, and, and especially as you get older. And um, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm, I'm just going to be 42. I think I lost track. I think I'll be 42 this year. <laughs> but um, when was my birthday? I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> I was born once. I had to be because I'm here now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you find the receipt. <laughs> And so it may well have baggage and and um and and stuff in the past that kind of like brings us into here and now and we're still fixing it, you know, trying to work through the all the garbage. Well, the one thing, well, of I, course, the one thing I really liked about and I took away from your book is you talk a lot about um mindset, uh, about mindset and stuff like that, about positive attitude, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all or. Uh, well, uh, honestly, it's it's all based on a choice of, um, 
of how you want to see what's going on, what uh, meaning you want to assign to an event or an experience, what what you decide that it means. Um, I, you know, I've been at this for, for many years now and only just getting to the point where I felt comfortable enough to write a book. But yeah, it's it's all based on choice. There's a line in the book and a good friend of mine wrote the foreword in the book and he even said that it was one of his favorite lines. Um, <clears throat> but the, the line basically is that I may have been abused in my past, but that doesn't obligate me to abuse my own future through fears and insecurities it's funny you think about talk about choice and then and there's something i've always thought about in the past from in my situations and something when i was um, i mean from my point of view choice i mean in younger and younger age you know when you're 17 18 years old you, you're full of anger and everything and mm-hmm. and when you have an anger problem i guess it's a choice you could choose to be angry or you can choice i mean so i kind of relate to that what you mentioned about choice Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, I get a lot of times um, people have asked me uh, if if I ever have a bad day or anything. And, you know, and I always try to be maybe exuberantly, maybe not overly exuberant, but, you know, happy all the time. And I get that question often if I ever have a bad day. And I'd say, yeah, of course, you know, I get bad stuff all the time. Uh, you know, I my wife and I might argue over something stupid or um, somebody cuts me off in traffic or something that I really wanted to buy is suddenly sold out. You know, of course you get some disappointing times. But um, even what I wrote in the book was that what I believe is that it's always the bad times that wakes you up to all the good stuff that you had forgotten to pay attention to. It's true. That's that's just true. And, um, it's a choice. It's a choice to be that and choose to be happy or choose to be ticked off the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I'd like to talk about, too, and I thought it was interesting, is y- your experience. I mean, um, your situation. You said in the book you were homeless for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, you know, and and I would like to address that just a, a, a scotch or a smidgen here. Um, for anyone that has not experienced the hardship of what it is just to be homeless right um the term or the 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 way of saying homeless for a little bit doesn't even remotely apply to it even if a person's only been homeless for like a week or a month right because when a person is homeless and i mean destitute homeless a day feels like two weeks you know uh, two weeks feels like six months and a month feels like a year so when a person is in that situation, it ages you way faster than anything else does in life that I've ever found. You can see that you can see people, especially in homeless shelters, and they just they like you said they ages people, and yeah, I can see that. I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it really is a terrible experience, and to be truthful, and I even put this in the book when I'm talking about that. Um, when that period of my life had happened, there. Of course, there were other alternative options, but because of my mental state of being at the time, I, I, I can't really tell you definitively if I was either not willing to accept it or maybe I just didn't recognize it consciously, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, um, you know, it was kind of my defense mechanism because all of my um, – 
pain in in my childhood I kind of associated to family type of settings and family was really all I had as a fallback option at the time and another thing I put in the book is that what I couldn't understand then was that it was my choices in my lifestyle that led me to that point, even though I spent all that time blaming everybody else but me. Yeah, that that sounds um, everybody but yourself, and and it led you that down that down that path. What is yeah? What is the childhood? What what was it like growing up? Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of times it was uh, it, it kind of went back and forth. Um, growing up, I mean, I never knew my father, right? He just was never around, never was never in the picture, and um, for the most part, I've never felt anything about that. It's kind of one of those old adages where you don't miss what you never had, right? Um, so it never really got to me, but um, the uh, the only dad figure that really came into my life when I was about seven maybe eight years old was an alcoholic stepdad and when he would drink he'd get mean and um then he'd be really drunk and he'd decide he wanted to teach me how to fight and that particular exercise never ended well i i mean there was a time when you know he busted my lip with a punch and it made me so mad that i shoved his face through a car window well that could be that's not good (laughs) you know i mean that was my childhood growing up and largely he was usually mad at me because um i would antagonize him so that he wouldn't um focus on my little brother at the time well now my little sister but yeah um sort of a protective stance about that but then i took the brunt of the beating for years and years and you know, I've had cigarettes put out of my skin and stabbed and all kinds of stuff over all that. How did that affect you as, as you got older as an adult, and how how did you deal with it? Well, you know, honestly, as I got older, it just, man, there were so many things and so many opportunities and relationships with people that it just destroyed and I was never aware of the impact. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it, it would happen. But I wasn't consciously aware that I was the cause of it because all I was doing was projecting all of the negativity from my experiences. I mean, it's tough when you're a young kid and, and um, you don't really know anything. You don't really know any better. I'm not saying any better, but you, you don't know. You're just doing what you think is right and protecting yourself. It, well, exactly. Protecting your- exactly. And, you know, in the book, I even put a line that said that I had to at some point come to the realization that – someone else's sickness is not my fault or responsibility right that they had the they made the decision to act then during that time but i also have the power and authority to choose to act today um i can have like i can relate to you in the sense that we're almost similar upbringings um i had a stepfather too and my mom and dad separated when i was younger too and um, we went through the same situation. My father, my my stepfather was an, a drug addict. My mom was an alcoholic and um, su- medication abuser. That's a good word to put in it. And my stuff, my me and my brother were, were, were stepchild, so they treated us different. He treated us different. So, and he was abusive to us too. So I can I can kind of relate from where you're coming from because I can see same similar situations what what I went through. Yeah, and you know. Uh, Looking back on it, um, 
I think one of the greatest things that I actually learned from it was being able to read body language because as like a survival instinct during those experiences, you kind of have to, as you walk into the room, you kind of have to teach yourself how to get the... Um, the flavor of the room, so to speak. You know what I mean? You'd have to be able to look at a person and say, okay, well, in three seconds, I should know if I'm about to get punched in the mouth or if I'm about to get a nice cold drink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a good thing you, you read the people in the room that's important too and um, see, you know, the feel of the room when you walk in. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and now for the business that I'm doing, the life coaching, well, it's like transformational life coaching is what it is. Um, but, uh, but now what I'm doing, it, it, it it's phenomenally helpful in the business that I'm doing. What is a, what is a trans um, life coach? What is that actually? Uh, well, the way I like to look at it, and it may not be Webster's, but you know what? I'm not Webster, so <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> the way I look at it is, you know, to help someone transform or, uh, you know, just make a transition from who they are today to who they want to be tomorrow, right? Whatever it is. Um, and I've had clients that uh, from a myriad of different places, like I, I talked to one lady that she was dealing with an abusive relationship and um, was going to uh, psychological appointments all the time and on heavy, heavy medications and um, just terrible, terrible situations. Um, but she had a little boy. And I, after some sessions, I got her to uh, learn to appreciate herself as much as she appreciates and adores her son. Right. Because her son was a good frame of reference. She was familiar with that. And um, I was actually blessed a few months after that, that I got an email from her. And she said that since our coaching sessions, she's proud to say that she's no longer on medication. She no longer goes to see psychologists and she's happier today or at the time. Um, she's happier today than she's been in 20 years. Wow. Wow. That's good. You know, and, and. It's that that keeps me going that really gives me that euphoric kind of a high. You know, <laughs> who needs drugs when you get that? Get the you great, know? get the positive emails. Makes makes anybody's day. It does. You know, and there was another guy I helped, and um, he was working for um, like a marketing firm, but he wanted to branch off and do his own thing. And I asked him, I said, well, why do you want to branch off? He says, well, because I'm not happy here. And I said, well, why are you not happy here? He says, well, because the work's just not very fulfilling. And then I said, so why do you want to start a business doing the work you already find unfulfilling? Yeah, that's that's um, that's kind of doesn't that doesn't really make a lot of sense if we're doing that. Exactly. So what we did, we spent a few sessions revisiting things that, that you know, even in his childhood or, or teenage years, young adulthood, things that that he otherwise enjoyed just for the sake of enjoying it. Maybe it doesn't bring a paycheck, but it's just something that he felt a passion for doing and enjoyed it, right? And now he combined it. He combined it with his employment experience and his passion, and now he's starting a business to where he works with um, uh, aspiring artists and helps them build branding for their uh, artist business and paint and stuff. I remember reading the book, um, you talked about wanting to be an author and a poet. I, I just wondered, I wonder if you wanted to expand on that a little bit. Because something like, almost like some of what you're talking about now with the guy with his um, you know, unfulfilling work, and you wanted, and you talked to him to, how about 
something they did in the past when he was a kid enjoyed and then yeah yeah uh, well, uh, you know, that's a whole chapter of the book is um, uh, rediscovering passion. And I even put it, it's kind of like a disclaimer, but it is, it's not really a disclaimer because it is very important for people to recognize that just because a person has a passion does not mean that that's going to bring them money, right? Um, if you're chasing a paycheck, what you're not doing is chasing your passion, basically. But uh, when I was a kid, even before the abuse touched my life, right, when I was very, very young, I always wanted to be a writer. When I would go to sleep at night, I would dream of being the the person that sits at the table and signs books for lines of people and stands up on stage, blah, 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 (laughs) you know? And uh, that was my dream as a kid. You know, you get kids that want to be pilots and, and astronauts and firemen and all this stuff i wanted to be a writer you know that's interesting because i, I can picture myself um we used to have a talk show host in my local town where i live and um i used to always wanted to be was was mike on the open mic that's the name of the radio host and i always i always used to record his shows and i would listen i'm like six or seven years old and people like you're looking to talk radio i'm like uh, hit record on you know, the old tape deck with a recorder in there. Press the button, the red button. Yes, I'm aging myself. Yep. I'm aging myself now. I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> hey, hey! I remember the days of calling the local radio station and requesting your favorite song, and then waiting for it to come on so you can hit the record button and catch it on tape. <laughs> I, funny you say that. Funny you say that. When I when I was younger, me and my my brother, my mom, we want La Bamba. My mother was you now nice. La Bamba, and we we waited like almost eight hours till they played La Bamba. She called in, hey, we don't do that. And all of a sudden, we called enough times they played La Bamba. <laughs> nice. And see, your 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 childhood dream of uh, of being like a talk show host type thing. Now look at what you. Oh, doing. it's 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 um it's great to talk to people like you and and um mostly my 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 podcast is focused on dads, but it's nice it's nice mm-hmm. to talk to other people and see we're all the same. We're all going through the same stuff. I mean, some things are. Oh, I, I think some things are different. Some things are same, but we all we're all going the same stuff. And I. I it, it's I kind of get a little little excited about it. I'm like, oh yeah, who did I meet? Like last my last interview I just did, I did it in Melbourne, Australia, and it was kind of kind of cool. I did it on Sunday eight o'clock, but he was like twelve o'clock on Monday. I'm like, it's like talking into the future. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of friends that live out there, and uh, one really good friend I call him Future Boy, and all that stuff is like a um, uh, Back to the Future reference. <laughs> What's next, Future Boy? <laughs> Can you predict how you score the game for me? what's tomorrow gonna be like (laughs) exactly but yeah i mean you're absolutely right it doesn't really i mean your podcast is on uh, on being a parent yes but you're also just amazingly on point when you say that we're all the same everybody's got different things they're going through and that was the reason for me to publish the book um the the, when i started writing the book i just started it because i was tired of telling my story over and over and over again right um so i figured i'm just gonna put it down and tell somebody go get it (laughs) (laughs) but then it turned into this thing that um because i didn't know who or what to write it for or anything i didn't even know what to write you know i just was gonna write but uh i decided i I, because i didn't know what to do i said you know what i'm just gonna decide to do it this way and i'm gonna follow through and see what the result is if it's crap i throw it away it's not that big Mm. right um and i just started writing for an audience of one of one person that may need to hear something that i went through 
And now everybody that's talked that, that that has seen the book, everyone that's always said, "Man, there was something in there," and I really ha- I, like, man, I didn't even know it myself. But when I saw it, I knew I needed that. I can, I can, like I said, I relate to about like some of the stuff you're going through, and some of the or some of the things you mentioned. But um, another thing I like to touch on, Lobom, because um, I've seen a lot of family members in past relationships dealing with some anxiety disorder and depression, and I've seen people be. They're frozen. They couldn't do anything. They're just stuck in one spot, staring into space because they're so depressed and anxiety. I just wonder if you want to touch a little bit on that. Uh, well, actually, I spent many, many years um, exactly like that. Um, uh, I'd have probably um, 20 panic attacks a day, um, which for anyone that's not familiar that might be listening, a panic attack is different than having just generalized anxiety okay generalized anxiety is when you basically worry about everything that could go wrong but rarely does right i mean it, just everything that could possibly go wrong with whatever is going on like your mind is thinking 10 steps ahead and every one of those steps is is a different creative way that it could fail um, that's basically generalized anxiety um, but when it gets to come panic attacks each attack is almost like you're having a heart attack and you think your life is ending in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it, it, it's debilitating. Really, it is. Because everything in the world stops when you think, I'm dying in this moment. I, I, I'm not going to make it to the next moment. This is it. Right. And you get that 20 times a day for years. It wakes you up from bed. Uh, you can't – like, I couldn't even make phone calls to people because I would look at the phone, I'd pick it up, and my heart would begin to race, and I'd think, oh, my God, I can't deal with this pressure to hang the phone up. Like, I couldn't even make phone that, calls. That can, be, that, can be, that can be frightening, too. Yeah, it, it was terrible, you know? And the thing is, is that it just it, – when I saw the psychologists and stuff, they, they gave me medications. They gave me the Xanax and blah, 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 blah. You know, ADHD, depression, PTSD. They gave me all this medication for it. But I think the most beneficial thing that they ever did was tell me that I that it was impossible for me to live a normal life because of what I had. Right? That they dared to tell me what I couldn't do. Do you think oh, sometimes they, they um, since you've been through experiences, do you think sometimes they over medicate people? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They they give out uh, Adderall and stuff for ADHD like candy to kids, and, you know, for the simple fact that the symptoms that they're saying for most ADHD cases now are really just kids being kids. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can see that, and then it just it's it's easier just to um, do that than to have to deal with it, deal with the situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. What what killed me, what got me moving forward was the doctor telling me that it was impossible. And I said, it's only impossible because you've never seen anybody do it, but you're about to. So sit back and it's watch. It's like the person telling me I can't walk and all of a sudden the guy walks in like a year later. You told me I couldn't walk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a um, – uh, and again, it's all a, the power of choice and mindset and just sticking to your, your goals, right? It's really all it boils down to. But um, there was a, a famous um, Olympian named Dan. Millman, who was in a motorcycle accident and he shattered his leg and I think 16 different pieces, right? All the yeah. bones in his leg. 
and um, they had to put a metal rod with pins in his leg to hold his leg together. And they said that he would never compete again. He was doing, you know, the uh, the, the rings where they mm-hmm. jump up on the rings yep. and they do the flips and stuff. Um, he that that was his event. Um, so I mean, he could still do it because it was his leg, and you know, the rings only really requires the upper body. But that dismount, you know, when you got a, a bar in your leg holding your bones of your leg together and you're trying to land a dismount that that's not gonna be good so the doctors told him he would never compete again and i think it was like 10 months later he went off to break world records at that olympics and won gold wow that's that's amazing i never heard about that i mean you always you always hear those cases but i never really heard about that one that's amazing because it's a miracle mind mind over mind over things mind over matter they say but my you know if you you can think it, it can it can happen if you really put you know put hard work into it and and really try and that's it you know and i i don't want to get too much into the details of it but i put in the book exactly what i did to overcome my depression and my anxiety and then what i found was that as i overcame the different things of anxiety that i made me personally anxious um i found that uh, i wasn't really experiencing ptsd anymore and so i actually went uh, after i that, did that discovery i went and talked to several different psychologists that i knew like friends through friends type mm-hmm. of networking um and i would ask them about it and they all confirmed that post-traumatic stress disorder is um, really a derivation of anxiety disorder, right? It's an extreme, it's like anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. on heroin, right? So if you get rid of the triggers for anxiety, then you no longer have triggers for PTSD. Interesting. I never knew that. Right. So, and I didn't know that either, but it it was kind of like a stumble upon and Hey, that's pretty cool. You know? Um, but, uh, something that always bothered me and you, I like how you brought it up with kids and ADHD and they're over medicating. Something that bothers me still is, um, the oversimplification with, um, psychologists and doctors and things saying that, um, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain that causes these disorders, blah, 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 right? The big boogeyman (laughs) in the room. And my contention after experiencing all the things that I have and talking to all the different doctors and professionals I've talked to about all of this, and I, I mean, I, I opened up my medical records to all of them so they could see it and see that I wasn't faking, blah, 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 right? Um, my contention is is that it's it, it's just like when you're sick. Say, say you have yes, the flu, yes. right? Your body will automatically adjust to your conditions of being in the Mm -hmm. flu right so it'll have one of two responses if not like a mix of both it'll be trying to combat and overcome the 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 virus right by releasing new chemicals and new antibodies into your body or it will manage it right which is what you see a lot of times with cancer uh your body just tries to manage until it can't manage anymore it just it's not going to combat it And that's my contention when it comes to these mental disorders when doctors say that it's a chemical imbalance. I think the chemical imbalance is just like when you have the flu. I think the chemical imbalance is not the cause of the problem, but rather the result of the problem. It makes sense, sense. yes. You know, like like the, the cause is... 
is your mentality, your belief systems, the stories you're telling yourself. The, it's just the combination of all of these things, um, your, your, your living uh, conditions, uh, the way that your lifestyle pattern is, your belief systems, your, the stories you assign to meetings for different things. All of these things combine to build uh, a certain kind of mentality. And then that mentality gets labeled as say depression or anxiety or something like that and then suddenly your body is now shifting chemically to try to help you manage that condition right so now you your the chemicals in your brain are changing and everything else but what happens when you change the condition interesting i'm not sure you know, it, to me, it seems like if you change the condition, and that's what happened with me, when you change the condition, your body kind of normalizes and the chemicals go back to the way they were supposed to be in the first place. You don't need medications, really. The medications are just there to help you manage the that symptoms. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, like you said, like the flu, you know, like you're talking about the flu before, and it manages the system, just manages it so you can feel better and get through with the situation you're at, at hand. Exactly. Well, these, that's my contention. I'm not, by no <laughs> means am I a certified professional with this stuff, but that's my contention and my personal experience. So if you want some anecdotal John Powell thing, <laughs> there you go. Okay, we'll put it that way. Another <laughs> um, thing that was interesting, and you know, we'll switch gears you a little bit from the depression and, and that's the topic um you talk a lot about dreams you're like one thing i wanted to ask you your dreams are possible what is what did you mean by that in the book i was just curious uh, that everyone has um everyone has something about them something that that is that they're just better at than someone else right i mean you, you have your talents your your skills but everyone has dreams, and if you look at – if you put two people side by side in a room, right, and you just – you put a video camera on them and you even use the scientific method, whatever, right, and you compare these two people, one of them is someone that, that, that strives after their dreams, win or lose, they just go after it, and another one that's playing it safe and, and working the nine-to-five, not happy, this and that, right – not fulfilled basically and you look at the two of them there is a tangible difference between these two people right you could find you, they could be same, the, the exact same in every other way except for these two things and there is a tangible difference between the two yeah right um because your dreams following your passion and your dreams whether it gives you money whether it gives you a sustained income it doesn't matter because these things will give you a, a sense of existential purpose in life and that brings you fulfillment and happiness and joy you know without these things life really uh, in my opinion life really isn't worth it um, I mean, there's so much other pain and, and different things that a person can experience in their life without that level of joy to, to kind of help balance the scales. What's the point in my well, things about people like that one guy, like the one example was playing it safe. Could it be that the person just scared to try something else or do something else? Maybe fear overcome by fear. And that's a big – it is a big factor. I, in fact, we were just talking about that on the uh, podcast show I, I did last night. Um, we were just talking about fear. And 
a lot of times I think fear is it's like the the, the common currency in the world today. You know, it's it, it's the monetary gain that we get by trading in our dreams and our passions and desires. We trade all these things in for fear and excuses. Well, it's funny you say that because um, I, I'm I'm not saying I'm big on social media, but um, I was always kind of wary to talk to people because you know what if I say this, they'll probably think I'm stupid or well, who the heck are you to say this stuff to me? And then and I. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? I'll just stop talking to people and see what happens. Because the worst thing can say to me, is stop talking to me. Yeah. So it's it's right. the fear of you know it's the fear of you know, just jump in because I find that um, starting this podcast is trying this podcast and doing interviews with you, like your interview with you, and I did a couple other interviews, and helps me calm, calm down a little bit and relax because believe me every time I perform an interview I get nervous I get nervous <laughs> I'm like I hope I don't screw this up hope I don't make a mistake and it's funny because in the past I felt the same way when I did theater I was when I was younger I did a little bit of theater um, and always felt the same way before I got on stage Oh, you know, oh, I'm going to mess my lines up. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. And and I did do, you know, so it's like I, I understand the fear because you know what? It's just jump. Just jump and do it. You know, and I had uh, – I, I love that you bring that up um, with uh, some of your past experiences and your experiences with doing the podcast, which um, if I can encourage you a little bit, um, you're way more experienced in podcasts than I am. This is only my second one. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, when I started doing my business, right, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I realized that I've already been spending years helping people and giving advice and such. Why don't I just do a business and get paid for it, right? And then as I was starting, I had this giant inner turmoil with fear. And I kept saying that, uh, well, who am I to talk to these people? I, you know, I... I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I'm not this. I'm not that. Whatever the excuse is, everybody has their own. Um, And I just kept telling myself that. And then I calmed it all down with reasoning to myself, like like giving logical (laughs) arguments, right? Like that always works. (laughs) Um, But it actually worked in this case because I started to tell myself, you know what? If my focus is on my imagined insecurities my imagined limitations then my focus isn't where it belongs on the and it belongs on the people that i'm there to help makes sense you know so if i'm if i'm focused on my own insecurities then i'm robbing someone else of an opportunity to get the help that they need if i can provide that help that's that's very that's interesting and um yeah wow that makes a lot of sense you know, and and I don't know if that might help you or even someone else because if you think about it, you know, you're doing this podcast and you've got however many listeners you've got. I mean, it varies. <laughs> I have no idea. But um, if you get too focused and set on your own imagined limitations, then that means that someone that was going to be one of your listeners to your podcast misses out on an opportunity to get what they needed from yeah, you. Yeah, because you never know who's listening, too. You never know who's listening. Exactly. And, you know, I, I may hit on a certain key or curtain topic that one night, and they're like, that's what I was looking for. Exactly. You know, integrity and character and honor, none of these things are, are light switches that just go on and off when people are watching and you know about it's, it. And, and I think the one word I keep thrown around is authenticity. 
and being be authentic mm-hmm. and be yourself. And and, and um, it's one of those big words they keep throwing around a lot of like you hear a lot of a lot of other podcasts that um, be authentic, be real. And that's that's kind of like what I like to do here in this podcast is um, I try to be authentic. You know, it's like having a conversation, two guys and, and with a cup of coffee. Yeah, you know, and even if say 10 20 people didn't like what's going on if five or six other people did then wasn't it worth absolutely, doing it absolutely 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 well um well i just want to wrap it up because we're running a little bit out of, out of time tonight um anything you would like to add anything at the end you'd like to add to the the, podcast, the show i'm sorry in my throat <laughs> uh well i mean there's not really uh i mean i i can probably go for days and just talk i mean really uh, this is something that i'm so excited and passionate about all the time it's not just <clears throat> excuse me it's not just the book it's i mean th- this is my passion you know this this is what excites me every day is making that positive difference and impact in another person's life regardless of the medium um but uh i mean it, we are here talking about the book, um, and I, mean, I feel we should probably mention that the book goes uh, – it launches internationally Friday. Um, Friday, no, uh, November Friday, 18th. November 18th, and it'll be on Amazon? Yes, it'll be on Amazon, um, ships all over the world. Um, if somebody wants a, uh, a signed copy of the book, um, feel free to visit my website, um, www.johnallenpowell.com. It's the author page. Um, shoot me a message, and then we'll do like a PayPal thing where you can pay for the book, and I'll just mail it to you after awesome. I Awesome, and I'll make sure that the, um, the links and stuff are in the uh, show notes and all your to, to your webpage and yeah. the Amazon link. I'll make sure that's in the show notes so people can find your book. And it's, um, okay. it's I, yeah. like I said, it's one of those books that you, you have to read because it, it hits on keys and topics that you don't realize you were thinking about because, oh, you know, realized you were thinking about because your book hits on it. You're like, oh, that's the answer I was looking for. Well, yeah, and that's the, that was the whole point behind the book. When I first started writing, the book was probably twice <laughs> as long as what it is now. Um but I didn't want to have this uh, this intimidating kind of a presence on a book, right? So um, I got the book down to I think the, the the actual thing. If you count all the pages with the the credits and everything, it's like 130 pages, right? So it's a very very small book, um, just a handful of chapters. It's nothing major. It's a light, simple read, and I wrote it in the the, the context of say two people sitting down over a cup of coffee and just having a conversation. Mm-hmm right that's that's the way that it's written so it's not even a hard thing to follow and at the end of each chapter i've included blank pages for notes so that a person could just jot down their own thoughts after they get through each chapter and go back through oh, i meant yeah, yes i did see the notes then that's then that'd be very helpful too because you know you have a lot of exercise in there too about you know different situ- different things that come different exercises in the book yeah well thank you john i really do appreciate it um and you can and we can find the my obviously you mentioned the website but i'll mention it again johnpile.com and it'll be on amazon um friday november 18th um uh, internationally anybody internationally can buy it yeah all right well thanks john have a good evening thank you you too sir thank you well that's all we have for this episode thank you for joining me on the no city on the sideline dad podcast you can find the show notes over at NoCityOnTheSideline.com. And please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast. I can reach that Joe at NoCityOnTheSideline.com. And you can find me on Twitter at NSOSDadPodcast. 
All the links we mentioned in the podcast about John Allen Powell's book and his website will be in the show notes. Also, you can reach me if you go to the website in the right-hand corner of the speed button. Leave an audio comment or, or concern, and um, please keep it constructive. Because negative, it means stuff. It's not fun. Well, until next time, thank you very much. Have fun getting involved with your kids. See you.